Well, this is it, ladies and gentlemen, part seven of our series, Hey from Jude. How to take a sad song, make it better. It's been quite a journey. So if you want to grab your Bible, open up uh, to the book or letter of Jude. What? You don't know where it's at. You got to be kidding me. You don't know where it's at. Hit it, Chris. Better than 
give yourselves a hand. You've made it through the most neglected book of the Bible of all time. And now you know why. (laughs) The conclusion to the book of Jude, or the letter of Jude, has a wonderful surprise in it. A wonderful surprise for us. It reveals a secret for spiritual endurance and perseverance. If you're disappointed, frustrated, or discouraged, this part's for you. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've ever found yourself or find yourself disappointed and discouraged because some other self-professing Christians just don't seem to get it when it comes to understanding what following Jesus is all about, this part is especially for you. Let's read the conclusion of Jude. This is also known as uh, Jude's doxology which uh, simply means a word of praise. Pick it up in verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in these next few moments, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it would have been very easy for Jude, given the circumstances and all we know about this letter and what was going on, I think it would have been very easy for Jude to conveniently just forget to write this one or get too busy with other things to get around to writing this letter. In other words, it would have been very easy, I I think, for Jude to give up on these people. Out of disappointment, frustration, and discouragement, the situation for this church that Jude was writing to didn't look good. Didn't look good at all. They were allowing themselves to be sabotaged, destroying themselves and their community from the inside out. And they should have known better. In fact, we, as we've studied the letter, we can see that they had every reason to know better. Jude's not writing them anything new. He's reminding them of what they already knew. Jude, his intention was to write a happier letter, a devotional letter. But somehow he discovered that these people that he cared very deeply about were far worse off than he had imagined. Apparently, all that he could do, besides pray for them, was write a letter. That's it. I mean, what, if I was in his shoes, I would have been thinking, but what good will it do? It seems so insignificant given the challenges that were being faced uh, in this community. He could just write a letter. It would have been easy, I think, for him to feel hopeless. To view these people, this church, as a lost cause. But Jude doesn't give up. He writes the letter. That amazes me. As I was studying this text this week, I found myself wondering, why didn't he give up? What drove him to pin this letter? 
where is he getting this kind of spiritual perseverance, this kind of spiritual endurance to keep going? What's his secret? I found myself imagining that if Jude himself were among us today, And he was able to stand where I'm standing and look us in the eye as a church. What might he say to us? I don't know for sure. But based on how he ends this letter, I think in essence he would say something like this. Church, don't lose the plot. Don't lose the plot. Don't lose the plot. What do I mean? Well, you know, I'm not talking about a plot like a plot to take over the world. I'm talking about a plot like in the literary, the, uh, the literary term. A plot refers simply to the events that happen in a story, the events that make up a story, particularly how they relate to one another in a pattern or in a sequence. Through cause and effect, they give the story some kind of a meaning. The the reader understands the story through the plot. You know, when the plot is good in a book or in a movie, you know, it's hard to put the book down. It's hard to turn the movie off. That's called a real page turner, you know what I mean? Um, Have you ever read a book like that where it was just, you just can't put it down? You know, I've watched Alex read the same four books for 10 years, I think. <laughs> when the plot isn't good or when we lose the plot, that's when we kind of get, you know, we, we lose interest and we give up on the book. Well, this, um, uh, two weeks ago, I decided that I was going to read a novel. I don't read much fiction. Um, I'm in seminary. So when you go to seminary, you'll understand. Um, There's just not much time to reading what you want to read. You just got to read what you have to. Um, So I decided I have a little bit of time. I'm going to read a novel. I'm going to read a work of fiction. But what one? Because I don't read fiction. I don't have a favorite author. I don't. Julie has authors that she likes and stories, certain genres. But me, uh uh-uh. So I looked it up online. What should I be reading? Because I don't want to waste my time on a lame novel. And I found this website called Modern, or I think it's uh, Modern Library. Yeah, Modern Library. And they had a list of the top 100 novels, I think, of the last century. Top 100 novels. At the top of the list was a book entitled Ulysses by an author, James Joyce. It's a huge book. So I went down to the library. It was almost closing time, and I found a librarian because I rapidly figured out that they don't use the Dewey Decimal System anymore. What happened to that? (laughs) And why did I have to learn it in elementary school? What a waste. (laughs) So the librarian, I told her I was looking for this particular book, this author, and she seemed impressed, as she should have. Because I was apparently a connoisseur of fine and influential literature. And I didn't want to read any old fiction. 
a bubblegum dime store novel. I didn't want to read any of those that you could buy on the rack at Walmart. I wanted to read something that changed culture. I aspired to be cultured and sophisticated. She took me, she was impressed. She took me back. We found the book and I got it. Everybody was impressed. I felt, I felt amazing. Hugely important as I tucked my copy of Ulysses under my arm and strutted my way through the library filled with people reading bubblegum up to the counter where I, uh, where I checked the book out. I walked proudly across the lawn at Glendale Public Library where I stopped to gaze at a star impressing them by my copy of Ulysses. I went home that night, and I showed it to Julie, somewhat smugly looking down on her, even though she didn't know it, because I was reading the most influential novel of the last century. I opened the page and began to read, and I read, and I turned it back in the next day. I didn't get it at all. (laughs) Turns out that that's a book that somebody in college somewhere will force you to read and interpret. um, But certainly not something I was going to enjoy on my evening. Plus, Shark Week was up the next, coming the next week. I mean, seriously, I don't got time to wrestle with James Joyce. So I took it back. I lost or probably never really gained in the first place. I, I never really got the plot to begin with. So I gave up on it. It seemed to me like random, pointless, wandering, meaningless fiction. I know it's not, for those of you guys who've read it and studied it, I know it's not. But to me at the time, I'm like, really? This is just not what I'm into. So I got frustrated with it, and I gave up. I gave up on it. I was thinking about that this week. Think about when the way we look at our lives. I wonder if sometimes if when, because we all face struggles, but when we see our struggles and our challenges and our frustrations, our disappointments, our discouragements, when we view them as random, wandering, pointless, or meaningless, when we look at them with just annoyance, when we say, well, it is what it is, or whatever, when it comes to the events of our lives, I think it becomes very easy to give up, too. Now, it doesn't always mean committing suicide. Giving up on the Christian life can simply mean something like working for the weekend. Waking up on Monday saying, come on, Friday. You know what I mean? For those of you guys who get a weekend. And life goes screaming by. We're living for the next good time and don't have, don't want to bother with anything that might um, be an annoyance or inconvenience, inconvenience us. But Jude reveals in this text that he doesn't view life that way. That's not how he views life at all. In fact, Jude seems to understand something that it's so easy to forget. 
that there's so much more going on than meets the eye. That life is not simply mundane and boring, monotonous, routine. Life isn't meaningless or insignificant. It's not as random as we may think. Certainly not pointless. Jude seems to view life from a certain vantage point. Knowing that whether you realize it or not, we're all swept up. We're all swept up in a great epic. In a divine drama that is beyond your wildest imaginations. That God is on mission, reconciling the world to himself. That in Christ, the kingdom of God broke into human history. Bringing good news to the poor. Freeing the imprisoned. Giving sight to the blind. Setting the oppressed free. He is on mission. He will not turn back. He will not give up. He will not surrender. He was, he is, and he will be victorious. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as water covers the sea. And nothing will prevent his victory. Nothing. Not even death. Not hell. Not the grave. He is more than conquered. That's the plot. That's the story. So here we are. In late August 2012. And you're swept up into this great saga. This story where God is on mission. Jude's doxology doesn't miss the plot. Sure, a doxology was a, a common liturgical way of concluding a sermon. It was a traditional kind of thing. But Jude was also encouraging his readers, and I think encouraging us, don't lose the plot. It's so easy to do. So easy to do as we go through the routines of our week. How can you, what can you do? What can I do? In Jude's doxology, there's, you can see three things. Three hints of something we could do. If you don't want to lose the plot, remind yourself of the main character. Remind yourself of the main character daily. Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Jude knew something that is, I think is huge. Jude knew that he wasn't the hero of the story. Jude knew that he, Jude, was not the hero of the story. 
God is the hero of the story. That's good news. At best, we're supporting characters. At best. And even sometimes that may be saying too much. But it's God who is the hero of this saga, of this story. And that's good news because when you're serving God, when you're out there doing the stuff, looking for where God is at work, joining him in what he's doing, and you face, you find yourself facing overwhelming, hopeless, or impossible circumstances, when you come up against those, you can step back and go, Whew, I'm glad I'm not the hero of this story. You hear what I'm saying? Aren't you glad you're not the hero of the story? This is his story. He's the hero. And that's good news. You can remind yourself who the main character is. You can also remind yourself of the real conflict of this story. Remind yourself of the conflict regularly. Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Jude did something wonderful here. He understood any disappointment, any frustration, any discouragement that he was facing at this point in his life, at this point in his ministry, was only a small subplot in the grand plot. Only a small subplot. In the grand story, Jude just didn't lay back and say, well, whatever will be, will be. God will do whatever God will do. Jude did what he could where he was, which was write this letter. And it's a very well-crafted letter. He just didn't sit down and write it on a napkin in speed. He took his time to polish and refine this letter and send it. He did the best he could where he was with what he had. But he also wasn't taking responsibility for things over which he had no control or things which he could not possibly imagine, manage. Ultimately, Jude understood that the fight for these people that he was writing to belonged to God and not him. And that that conflict was a small subplot within the grand story. And Jude kept that in view. He didn't lose the plot. He didn't lose the plot. We can do that too. We can do that too. We can reframe the way we think about the struggles and the disappointments that we're facing in light of the grand story. And the third thing Jude's doxology tells us or would encourage us to re remind yourself of the climax. Remind yourself of the climax of this story daily. Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. 
Jude remembers, in spite of whatever it is, the struggles that he's facing, Jude remembers where this story is headed. Jude remembers how this is all going to wrap up. Jude already knows the climax of this story. God wins. God rescues humanity, keeping his people from stumbling and bringing them into his very presence. Blameless in a great celebration. Who knows when? It could be at any moment, really. Or it may be many years from now. But there will be a day when we stand in the presence of God. Before the very throne of God and the radiance of God's being will shine out like nothing you've ever imagined in your life. Colors that, that are not possible to be seen in this world. And sounds that are just unbelievable. In the very presence of the creator who spoke. And the universe leapt into existence. We will stand and be gathered before him. And all of us, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. From one end of earth to the other, all will see and recognize God will be glorified and humanity redeemed will stand and applaud and applaud and applaud in, a, in, a, in, a, in an astounding, resounding crescendo of applause and praise that is erupting from our very being, which we can no longer contain. We will stand and sing and praise and say, encore, because wow, the hero conquered. That is what is ahead. That is where this is going. That is how this ends. God wins, and you and I, in Christ are more than conquerors. Forgive me for getting a little bit preachy, but that's the plot. That's how this ends up. That's where this is going. So did Jude's letter do any good? His insignificant 25-verse letter. We're still reading it in 2012. What do you think? It's amazing. God must have used Jude's 25 verses in an incredibly powerful way. Because Jude's first readers not only preserved it, but copied it and passed it on to the world. I think Jude might have been surprised. As you face your disappointments, your frustrations, and your discouragements in life and especially in Christian ministry and in, in serving God where you are and serving God in this church, don't lose the plot. Don't lose the plot. Don't give up. God wins. So do you. God wins. So do you all going to be okay. That's how Jude ends. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for Jude.
May these words enter our hearts so that we don't just hear them, but we do them. Help us, Lord, not to lose the plot. For my friends, those especially who are discouraged, who have been disappointed, who are frustrated, especially the ones who are desperately trying to do your will, encourage them, Lord, and give them hope. Give them peace. Give them strength. Like you did for Jude. Help my friends here. Help me to not lose the plot. In Jesus' name, amen.